You are listening to the Photo Bomb podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photo Bomb podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. I have missed you. <laughs> I have missed you so much. Was your uh, holiday not a joyous one with family and friends? You know how it is, man. It's like uh, Instagram lies, Facebook lies. It's usually pretty pleasant, and the food's usually pretty good. But overall, it's it's a lot of stress. Really? It's a lot of like, well, you know, it depends on your, your family situation, you know. But for, for, for the younger people in the family, you spend a lot of time, especially if you have a blended family, and then you're married, and you have m- multiple places to go. And typically, I don't know about you, but most people's parents are like, I'm staying here. And, like, they don't go anywhere. You just have to go to all your parents. Sure. And if your parents are divorced, you got two houses to go to. Then you got to go to your in-laws. And then you got to fight over who gets what on Christmas Eve, on Christmas Day, on the day after Christmas. I mean, so I did four four Christmases. Four Christmases. Now, I think that uh, you are perhaps missing out on uh, – I mean, you just had a baby. Right. This was, this was, the, this was the, the thing that swung it in my direction. Yeah. We were able to, we were able to say – like a yeah. dolphin. Yeah, say, that's, yeah, once we had the babies, we were like, no, you come to us or there'll be no meeting because we're not, we're not going out and traveling with the kids and ruining their nap schedule and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, you just say, that's it. Come to, and they want to see the baby. They want to see the baby. Everybody wants yeah, to see the I baby. Did. So then you I get did them. have a little bit of a, an advantage in that we didn't travel as much because, you know, we had a three-week-old for Christmas. So right. we did get out of it a little bit. But we still, my sister was in town from England, which was awesome. And so we had a thing with, like, my siblings. And then we did a thing with my wife's family. And then we had a friends and family Christmas. And most everything was at my house. But it was still a lot this going is, this on. Is, this is sister I met, the one that was on the show a couple of years ago. Yes, okay, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, good old, good old Morgan. She listens to the podcast. God help her. Well, we went. We went up to the mountains of uh, North Carolina, and, and I'm insanely jealous of your reclusive yes, the Smoky Mountains in North Carolina. Let me tell you. Here's the thing: the Wi-Fi. When they said that the cabin had Wi-Fi, and then when you're checking, it, he's like, "Just so you know, the Wi-Fi is kind of sketchy. We got one thin wire coming up the mountain, and and it's kind of sketchy." And you're like, "Okay." By sketchy, what we mean is there's no Wi-Fi. It's going to work like once. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to work like once a day for 15 minutes at 4.30 in the morning. That's basically where the and Wi-Fi is going to work. Everybody wants to be on it at the same time yeah. that it's working, too. So yeah. for a week, we were kind of disconnected. There was no, what's the latest thing that uh, Trump said on Twitter? And what's the, there was none of that. There was just, it was just fireplace, let's play some cards, and eat. And, How was it? And it was wonderful. Um, yeah? the, um, the lack of constantly checking your phone was quite enjoyable. And once after a day of realizing you couldn't check your phone, you just stopped looking at your phone and it just went in your pocket or on a table and you instead tried to occupy your time with things like, oh, I don't know, conversation or walking. Wait. Or, yeah. What's a, I don't know what those things are. It was really interesting. <laughs> and, I, and I really did enjoy it. And when I came back, I was immediately, the first day I was back, back to checking my phone, back to reading magazines. And on t- immediately, I, was like, I realized I was a little more anxious than I was in the mountains. And I'm like, oh, it's because I'm constantly, constantly feeding myself so much information and processing it that I never really just relax and take a moment. You know, you just don't do That's that That's an interesting thing to think about is, is what about incorporating something into your day where it's like two hours, completely unplugged, 
you just pick up the ukulele and play or you or you read a book or just something where you just shut your phone off shut off your computer to you know well, even like then, that or even then you're still doing something I, I read an essay a while back where a guy was saying that that the the problem we've run into is that we're never bored really you're never standing in line and just having to look around for five or ten minutes with nothing to do, that doesn't happen. The right. minute the minute there's a slight break in what in something you have to do, you whip out the phone. Yeah, it's constant media all the time, listening to music, listening to a podcast, listening to the, the whatever, listening, right. you know, uh, watching something, watching videos on YouTube, checking your Facebook. You're either yeah, you were engaged with some kind of media pretty much twenty four hours a day. Your mind never wanders. Yeah. And so although yeah. have you so how did so how did it? Because I get like twitchy initially, and then after a few hours, disconnected. You just eh, it's, it's yeah, fine. it was fine. It was absolutely fine. I didn't miss it a bit. And actually, someone gave me a, a what do you call it? it was a, there was a bunch of writing, and it was uh, like on paper, and and the mm. paper was bound together. And someone gave me one of these for Christmas. I haven't uh, like an antique. What we call a book. Oh, and, yeah, a book. Books. Books. A book. books. Book. I believe it's, it's book. books. And and uh, and so I had this book thing, and uh, and amazing, almost like actually having it on, a thing on your phone that you read. And uh, I had that, and that was cool. And then there was fireplace maintenance, which, by the way, don't be the guy that starts the fire in the cabin because you will spend the rest of your life trying to yep. maintain the fire. Yes, every it's five full time. Yes, it really is. Every yeah. five minutes, it's got to be stirred, or something's got to be moved, or that log's not catching, or yeah, add a log. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Fireplace is no joke. So I uh, so I kind of was the fire guy. So I'd take care of that the whole time. And then well, we uh, The manly province yeah. of fire making. I enjoyed that though. Yeah. I did. And then um we took the kids to go uh to go intertubing down a hill, which was fun. It was a place they had fake snow because there was no real snow. And they had fake yeah, snow. I saw a killer video of Yes, of that's your that kids. my video of running into the wall at the end of the thing and getting stuck. <laughs> yeah, quite entertaining. Well, what's amazing is that I was able to just fly down the side while videotaping both my daughters on my phone and get really good video of it. That's, yeah, you know, dude, the quality was awesome. Yeah, right, and like that's the, my phone. The stability of that phone was Right, pretty, and that's my phone. I'm not even using the – and I've got a big stability thing that I'll be using at Imaging USA, a 3-axis gyro, and that was just me holding the phone. Which is like a week away, by the way. Yeah, gee, I am not at all ready. Yeah, I was – I'm just going over because for those of you who aren't uh, familiar – Although most of you, I'm sure, probably are. We're getting into what we call uh, convention season. And this is the sort of the first quarter of the year, first three and a half months, where there's like a million photography conventions back to back. You have uh, Imaging, USA, Imaging USA, Societies, WPPI, uh, Shutterfest, Sync. You know, you have, a, and they're all pretty big ones, and they're all back to back. Right. Um, and you really do kind of have to pick and choose which ones you go to. But for those of us that teach, we always end up doing two or threes. Also, Photo Pro Expo, which is in Cincinnati, which is one that I love. Um, and that's so. I'm you know I'm doing probably in the next three months. I think I'm doing four conventions. Wow, I'm doing. And, uh, that was last year. I did a lot, but this year uh, I'm this imaging USA is like the end of my convention run for the year. Right, and, and I don't have anything booked uh, for this year. But I haven't tried to book anything for this year. Right. Yeah, you know, I did that I did it like last year because I did um trying to get my judging, which we talked about on the show, to get a, uh, to be a, a approved juror for the right. PPA for the International Photograph Competition. I had to speak at a whole bunch and judge at a whole bunch of uh, state conventions around the country. And I did, I think, 11 state conventions that year. And so the next year I just sort of took 
a lot of time off. I did like creative live, but I didn't do anything really else except for IUSA, which I attended, but I wasn't speaking at. And uh, but this year I'm ramping it back up again. So, you know, uh, we just like to travel, man. And somebody's going to pay you to travel. I think that's always that's always good for me. So I'm uh, uh, on travel. It depends on what kind of travel we're talking about. If you're just traveling there for, and you go, it's you know, it's airport to hotel to conference room to airport to home, like then, eh, you know. That, that, I, yeah, that's I, that I don't like. If like that's why I love going to Imaging USA and other conventions where you're going to see a bunch of people you know, and you know because uh, it is really depressing to just travel in and travel out. There's nothing glamorous about it. It's no. like you fly in, you look around, you don't see anybody you know. You go up to your room, you sit at the hotel bar, you have a lonely beer, then you go back up to your room and go to bed at nine o'clock. Like it's 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 really like, and then you do your thing, and then you fly out two hours after that, and it's not. Sexy at all, and it's that and that is a lonely beer. That's that definitely is a lonely one beer. L- a lonely beer. Uh, usually, it's like a Mick Ultra because you know you don't want to do too many yeah. carbs, but you know you don't want to seem like a lame-o, so you pick like the you know the lightest beer you can find. You know? I had an interesting thing. I met a guy uh, on vacation. It was very interesting, which I, cycles back to um, one of the things that we do. We talk about in the uh, in the PPA if you want to become a master photographer and how difficult it can be to become a master photographer, and you have to uh, enter into IPC and you have to get thirteen merits. And then you have to have another 12 merits from other things like speaking or volunteering and how difficult it could be to become a master photographer through the PPA. And then I met a man when I was on vacation who is a master um, bladesmith, a master bladesmith. Now, there's a show. I don't know what channel it's on. And it's called – I think it's called Steel and Forge or something like that. And it's a show where they get three guys who are knife makers – and just like all those cooking shows, they make them. They have to make it like a make a knife out of a out of a axle off of a car, and make a knife out of this, and make a knife out of that, and they narrow it down to like two guys or three guys, and then they, those two guys, three guys, are given a week or two to make a special kind of knife. It can maybe some antique sword from from history or something. They go back to their they go back to their their kilns or their forges, whatever you call it, and they make these knives, and then they bring them in, and they have them looked at, and 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 they have to they have to be able to chop through wood, all this other. Kind of stuff. So, so this show is kind of fascinating because it's a thing that you've never. What's it take to make a knife? And you watch these guys do it. It's pretty cool. I like it. Well, I met a guy who was actually on the show, and is a master knife maker, a master bladesmith. There, okay. are, there are only about 130 master bladesmiths in America. Oh, and, I, and I, so immediately I'm grabbed him, and I'm like, okay, so tell me the process. How do you get to become a master bladesmith? Because we have this thing in photography called master photographer. He's like, well. Well, the first thing you have to do, you have to make a Bowie knife and submit it and have it and have your peers look at it, you know. And I, I, we do that too, he said. And uh, that, that and, and if that passes muster, you become a journeyman knifesmith. I go, oh, okay. He goes, and there's there's thousands of journeyman knifesmiths. Making a Bowie knife is easy, and they destroy the Bowie knife. They chop up a tree. You have to. It has to chop a hanging rope in half. It has to chop a two by four, and they put it in an anvil and they bend it ninety degrees and it can't break. I'm like, oh wow, that's pretty intense. That's a little intense, all right. That's yeah, right. Okay. That, that's nothing. <laughs> that's nothing, Gary. Okay. So he, you do that, and you become a journeyman. He goes, and then if you want to become a master, you have to make a special knife. Like he had to make, I think it's a Sykes Fairbairn, which is a fighting dagger from World War II. He said, you have right, to, yeah, I have one in go. my pocket right now. Yeah. You have to make this. Well, it was British. You have to make this. <laughs> he made this knife. I don't know if you get to choose, but he made this knife. He said. Everything is tested. It's double-bladed, double-sided. It has to be perfectly, I mean, like microscopically, perfectly uniform and symmetrical 
on both sides. The hilt has to be perfect. The the wire that twists down the handle, they will measure that with a micrometer. And if it is a little bit wider at one spot than another wide, the gap, that's it. If you make one mistake, you're done. Your knife does not pass mm. and you don't become a master bladesmith. And so you can try again. If you try to be a master bladesmith twice and fail both times, you never get to be a master bladesmith. Well, that's a stinger. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, imagine imagine if you were just told like, when you entered the PPA competition, well, if you don't make it in four years, you're done. You don't ever get to be a master photographer. Oh, well, so nobody would be one. Well, I, well I mean, you see my point, though. I mean, I was just like, wow, I thought we had it hard. And these guys, who, yeah. these no, guys that's, making that's knives. Yeah, he said there's only like 160 in the, in the world. Uh, like 160 wow. guys who have actually passed the test. Here's, a, here's an idea how perfect the knife has to be. The knife he made for his for his test, he sold it for $10,000. Oh, that's intense. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that um, in my mind as you're describing it, I see a bunch of really old dudes with long beards yes. and robes yes. standing in a room made of stone but, with torches on the wall. Yes, but the, ro- standing- <laughs> but the robes are made of flannel. <laughs> right. <laughs> flannel. Yeah. Flannel Jedi yes. robes with these leather aprons uh, on to protect them from the fire of the of the of the thing and everything. And but, absolutely, but I, mean, I was just like, "Wow, that's just amazing!" And I said, "So, what do you do now?" He said, "Mostly, I make pocket knives for people. That's that's probably what people want most." And he pulled out a pocket knife, a little pocket knife, and he handed it to me. And I looked at it; it was the best pocket knife I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was like just, <laughs> well, just a perfect, beautiful blade, beautiful, perfect little pocket knife. You know, how did it react when you bent it at ninety degrees? Yeah, to see if it would break. Yeah, but he he was like, oh yeah, they destroy the knife, but not the, the one. So that did you, you ask yeah. him if he ever stabbed anybody? No, I did not go there. You know, I didn't. Oh, well, but here's what's funny: in the town I met him, this was in Macon, Georgia. They said that he's actually a little bit of a celebrity there. That a lot of people know him, oh, you know, and, and he's really the well, knife guy. Yeah, the knife guy, really well known. Knifey Bob. Listen, just you, you knifing drive, around. You drive up to the mountain, you'll pass two or three places on the road that are custom knife places. It's a like well, there's a, no doubt, but it's deal. just got to be for a lack of entertainment. Like the most famous guy in town's the knife guy. He's just hey, uh, you heard about Knifey Bill? Oh yeah, yeah. He's just up there knifing around, knifing just around. doing his thing, just just knifing around town. You know, yeah. like cut, 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 cut. You know, just knifing here, knifing over there. Yeah. Does when he shows up to Denny's, or he goes to Perkins for the early bird dinner. Brings his own knife. Brings Clearly, own he's knife. not going to cut with an inferior product. He's got a reputation to Absolutely. maintain. What's he going to use a What's he going to use a Perkins knife for? He probably pulls a perfectly crafted titanium butter knife out of his pocket just to spread on his muffin. He's a knife snob, is what you're saying. Oh yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, only about four guys a year try for master. And, and, and yeah, and if you try twice, sounds it, like mo- yeah. sounds like most of them don't make it. I, I, I just I just thought. I mean, the whole you can't try again if you miss it twice. That's what gets. Imagine you know you you know some people they spend their whole life and this is a goal for them. And imagine falling short and being told you can never try to climb that mountain again. Look, I understand that probably happens a lot, but I I will make the argument that there's nothing subjective about the quality of the knife. Like you you'll make the knife and you'll know you can measure it by the yeah. standards that they measure it. You can weigh it, you can bend it, you can chop through a rope or whatever you got to do. Right. Like you can send it in being reasonably sure that you're right on par whereas in a photographic competition yeah. they might just hate the they may hate the the face of the stupid kid in the picture and that's why he's like it just they just may hate it cuz it just doesn't do anything for them. So, you know, it's just, you know, 
it, by the it's way, art versus craft, I guess. By the way, if you're hoping to become a diamond photographer in the PPA, the magazine's out right now that features some incredible, incredible images. Uh, yeah, I just burned it when it yeah. came in the mail. It was like the diamond. It should, the diamond photographers are the ones who basically all four of the images in the case that they submitted to competition uh, achieve the loan collection status, which is sort of the top 10%. So basically, not that this is something that didn't happen a lot in the past. And then lately, you know, we get what maybe like seven or eight a year, maybe 10, yeah, 12 right, most out right. of however many, 1,500. And so, uh, yeah, I just, the issue came in the mail. I literally, I put it right into a, right into a bucket and lit it on fire because I just, makes me sad. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, you know, me, I'm going to pick the images apart and look at things and look for, look for the angles. And I'll tell you, if you're hoping to do good, looking at these pictures, if you're hoping to do next year uh, really well, or if you want to improve your chances of really well, uh, I would highly suggest that you have your image painted. Yeah, there's a very that's the trend at the moment. The yes. Painting is a big trend. Yeah. There's a, that painted look. Yeah, fifty five percent. Fifty five percent. Yeah, the ones that the, the, the pictures in the pictures of the magazine that were of people. I'm talk, talking nature or, or landscapes, but the or abstract. But the but the pictures of people over fifty five percent of them were painted in Corel or Photoshop. So right. yep. so that's a very so that's one of them was painted to the point. On purpose, painted to the point where it looked like a Disney animated cell. I mean, she, it looked like one. Of the, it looked like a, a picture of Snow White in her bedroom. It was pretty incredible when you read about how she did it. She she shot the girl, and then she created a small set because she couldn't build the big set. Shot the small set, put the little girl in the small, put the girl in the small set, and then painted the whole thing to make it look like a Disney cell. So it was pretty cool. Uh, That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> cool. And um, but yeah, painting, man. Everything was painted. A lot of paintings and um, a lot of uh, non-people. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and uh, a lot of models. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You know there are um, there are trends. Like it's always been that way in competition. Every time there's a, a new type of paper would come out or a new uh, Photoshop plugin would come out, and it just sort of like storms or new type of mat and just storms competition and then it just goes for several years and then it sort of dies down and the next thing comes along it's just i don't know how to get on top of that i just i just keep sending well (laughs) one thing that has never gone away is printing because if you look at the numbers because we just got our counselor's packet from the ppa which shows the numbers from last year the percentage of people who loan who put their images in as prints is twice as great as the percentage who put in as digital now, correct. You could ease, you could say, well, printing obviously is going to make it much easier to loan, or you could say, well, the people who are really, really, really serious tend to put in prints. Agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I agree with number two. Yeah, yeah so yeah, absolutely. you know, so the really good people like prints. Uh, so which that, is really yeah. cool because if you're going to Imaging USA, they put all those prints on display. All of the merited images and the loan collection images get displayed in the exhibition in the trade show. So if you're in Nashville for IUSA, it is. Every year, one of my favorite things to do is to walk around the exhibition and just look at the prints and the print quality and the stuff that people have entered. In. They have a digital display. They have a lot of big TVs with a scrolling sort of slideshow of images from the competition. But it's really nothing compared to standing next to those prints and really getting up close on them and looking at them. It's, it's just just beautiful, one of my favorite parts. Yeah, it's really, really nice to walk around the trade show. Uh, trade show floor and then take a break from trade showing and go over and just wander the prints. And, and, if, you, and if you merited... Uh, put yourself From in a trade competition. Showing? They'll have a they'll have a they'll have a screen set up where you can take your picture with your picture as it comes up on the screen. You can bring it up on the screen and take your picture with the picture, which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, people are like, look, there's my picture on a screen. Let me take a picture with it. You know, but then I took a picture of myself in front of a picture of me on a screen when I was in the trade show a couple of years ago. So 
There are no rules anymore. No. <laughs> there's no good. there's no rules. There's absolutely no rules. Uh, so um, one of the other things I wanted to talk about this week was I found a great article that said um, – that listed what they thought was the best camera tech of 2017. Uh, okay. Some of the advances in 2017. I thought some of the points were kind of interesting, things we had talked about. Um, they said that – you know, but what I really found interesting was that many of the things uh, in this article talking about the best camera tech – all reference the Sony A9. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems to be the uh, that seems to be the go to at the moment. Yeah, the Sony A9 keeps coming up again and again and again because you know you look through if you look through your article and they've just highlighted you're like oh here's this first thing and then there's highlighted the Sony A9. Here's the second thing and highlighted is the Sony A9. <laughs> and that, you know yeah, uh, it's, uh, one was think high resolution cameras are slow. Think again. Uh, the ability to shoot uh, high frames per second with a high-resolution camera, like the Sony A9, for example. Uh, electronic viewfinders <laughs> are catching up to optical. Electronic viewfinders are fantastic. It's one of the things that I absolutely love about shooting with my small Fuji is that you can see the exposure. You know, right. You can see the exposure. Uh, I'm, I'm so ready for that to happen with, um, with the cameras, that we, with the full-frame DSLRs. The thing that I'm jealous of is that there's a whole crop of photographers that are going to come along when the electronic viewfinder is normal to them and they're going to get to see the exposure before they take it and we didn't have that but then i think there's also a whole crop of photographers who are jealous of us because we came along when we were able to see our picture immediately after we took it and they didn't right that's exactly the point i was going to make yeah the technology is just going to keep advancing and you can't like take you can't love it and then turn around and disparage the people who come along into it and never had to do anything otherwise there's a lot of that in our industry there's a lot of like well they didn't have to do this you know what like you probably didn't have to uh, drive a horse and buggy either you just grew up in the world with automobiles you so and so you know it's, it's so stupid because technology just advances and it's just one thing that's change is constant and I, I love taking advantage of the fact that I can shoot at 6,400 ISO if I want to, and the picture still looks great. And I'm not going to – and the and the kid who comes up after me, I'm not going to be like, hey, hey, you had to – you didn't get to use ISO 4 million when you when I was your age. You know, that's so dumb. It just, just yeah. irritates me. Hating on the younger generation. Do you think that um, the electronic viewfinder is going to precipitate a rise in constant lighting? Um – I don't know. It's hard to say what will you know what will affect because that's the one disadvantage is it can't predict what the strobes are going to look like. Right. So you can it only works with available light. So I mean, already I think people are leaning that way. You see a lot more of it. I really never love loved constant lighting. I switched over to shooting it mostly in my studio for about a year because um, it was more convenient um, than and uh, to be able to see what I was getting and all and it was cool, but. I, the color just was never exactly right, and it took me a lot of work to get the tone exactly right. And I tried a few different brands, a few different styles. I always find them a little bit green and a little bit blue, you know, that I just couldn't get rid of exactly right. And I can always go back and look at the stuff I photographed during that time and see which was – I can go, that was a constant light, that was a constant light, because there's just that color cast that I just never – and I've tried different bulbs, different lights – and so I just went back to shooting strobes because I just couldn't, just couldn't love it. Uh, but I do like the convenience of it, and then you know, and if I, I end up turning a lot of things black and white, it's funny. It's funny because I have the, I noticed the same thing. I haven't done it to the extent that you have, and I meant to ask you about that because I know you used to use more constant lighting, and now you're not. And I was going to ask you why. But I have, you know, I have a, a little Loom Cube that I bought at the convention a few years ago, specifically for taking pictures with my phone, and it's a great bright light, but the color is just never right. 
No matter what you even do, if you, you can just, dial in, you just can't seem to get it right. Yeah, even if you dial it into whatever temperature, whatever degree Kelvin it says is daylight, it's still not right. Right. And I don't know why, and I'm sure somebody smarter than me knows, or somebody figured out a fix for it, or you can make a custom profile, but I just was never, and I spent so much time trying to get it right, that I was just like, I'm just going to shoot strobes, because I know what those will look like. So, you know, I I created custom profiles in Lightroom for my lights and everything. I got them real close, but I never quite got the clarity of color that I wanted with them. And so, you know, I switched back. But no, I I don't I don't know that that'll be a direct correlation. It's hard for somebody to, you know, a studio photographer is going to walk in and they're not going to be they're going to not care that they don't get the see through the viewfinder the shot that they're going to get when the strobes fire because that's what we're used to so what you'd have to do is you'd have to get somebody that's shooting with a mirrorless and a digital viewfinder or electronic viewfinder that switches to studio photography and strobes and then goes oh crap you know what i mean and then realize there's a problem and by that point i'm not sure that it makes a difference but it's possible but i don't really think so so um they're saying also 4 k uh, 4K is outgrowing its 4K video is outgrowing its limitations you know because it was uh, so big that they were having problems with space that's great uh, HEIF files we talked about HEIF being maybe the new the new raw heef uh, again, the Sony Sony is doing a, Google's Pixel two camera effects don't require a second lens uh, they're using HEIF HEIF files iPhones are using HEIF heef it's easier to say heef uh, than uh, than that uh, the stack sensor. Is the new thing stack sensor again? Sony the stack sensor. They said look for that to come to your camera phone soon. Uh, and one of my favorites is that the they said the lovely autofocus joystick is trickling down to more models, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, that's your favorite. That's thing. a deal killer. I won't. I, I have my my little walkabout camera that I use. My Fuji doesn't have it, and the newest model does. And I'm almost willing to spend thirteen hundred dollars to upgrade to the new model just to get that friggin' joystick. It is a real nice to thing. be able to move that focus point around, but it also has something else. I'm seeing more and more cameras is there. Ha- it's but they're they're getting where they're supposed to have really good face recognition and eye recognition to the point where if you're mm. taking a picture of a person, it it finds the person's eyes and focuses on them. Oh yeah, that technology exists. You think about all the Snapchat filters and Facebook Messenger and Instagram that like put stupid stuff over your face. I mean, the facial recognition and identifying parts of the face are right. You know, it exists. It's just it's what those technologies will trickle into everything until they're so normal. You're going to be able to point a camera at somebody, push the button, and not necessarily have to worry about where it's going to focus, unless you really want to do something intentionally different. It's just going to know where to focus. I mean, yeah. I mean, imagine people. being able to shoot in an event and and be at 1.8 or 2.4 and pulling just pulling the trigger, bam, 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 knowing that the camera is going to grab the person's eyes and focus that that tight depth of field right on their eyes every time and you don't have to worry about I mean now you're free to worry more about framing and more about composition and things like yeah, that yeah dig it it's just getting so much easier and what's really going to work and this is the final thing in their list is that artificial intelligence and photo editing is starting to actually get useful for pros Adobe is introducing some um, AI into Lightroom that will find and mark your best shots that's insane yeah so you will. So imagine you know you're doing a headshot session and you shake and you, and you shoot out 35 and then it immediately identifies the three best and brings them to the forefront for you and you can show the client here's the three best. Yeah, I wonder what the criteria would be of like sharpest or best exposures or expression. It could be like ones where they're smiling. You might be able to even set the parameters of things that you want pushed to the front, which would be really cool. The big question I have is when it uses the AI to learn, does it learn just from 
what you do or does it learn from the cloud? Like, you know, you do session after session and you pick the same images as your favorites and then it learns what you like and it uses that information to pick it for you. Or is it learning from what everyone is picking for all of their sessions who use Lightroom and to figure out a a mass appeal of, of what people like in their I don't know, headshots or family portraits or dogs or whatever, you know, I mean, how, how far I don't know, but bo- bo- both of those things sound pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm like, I, the, I'm just having these weird feelings as you're talking about it, like the world is getting so cool, but creepy at the same time, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and at the same and at the same time, I worry that it's getting too easy, that everything is getting too easy. I mean, maybe it makes me sound like an old guy, but everything is getting so easy. You know, like they said that 50% of the jobs in the, in the world are going to be eliminated by robots yeah absolutely i I went to target the other day the hundred dollar store my favorite place and you know they had uh two cashiers working and eight automated checkout stations right and and you know it's and this was like the week after christmas with a lot of sales and stuff i mean it's it was in a mcdonald's a couple weeks ago where there was one cashier and six automated ordering stations so like yeah i mean it's it's very possible even likely to have to think about at least part of your job being done by machines. I mean, that's the problem is that nobody's going to go, well, maybe we should just not do that because of all the people that have jobs. It, nobody has that broad of a perspective or anything that far reaching because it's one job after another in different times in history, you know, eliminated by different things and different companies that invent other things. So there's no like one gigantic conglomerate trying to give everybody robots to do their jobs it's just a bunch of interconnected sort of loosely related events that are event we're just moving that way and so i mean the thing that's going to set everybody apart is right now the creative the creativity aspect you know a machine can only copy a machine can only recreate and that get it gets better at that over time but it can't think of something it can't necessarily engage with somebody but you know who knows what they'll be able to do but for right now you know you do have to consider the fact that part part of the jobs like photo booths or something that are almost pretty you know automated you set up you can set it up with an ipad and a camera and there doesn't even have to be anybody manning it like it's real real possible so well they, you know, the, the classic photo booth was animated you put a quarter in and you know, <laughs> got your picture taken yeah the automated photo booth <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly you know, i mean that's been around for a long time yeah. but you know if if something if it's possible for something to be done automatically by a machine it's going to get done and it's going to happen so if it is possible at all for that to happen you can just bet your bottom dollar that it's going to happen you post this, um, because you, you i'm sorry go ahead no, that's it. Sorry. I was that's just going to say, and so there. Well, that, I, 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 that was a big story. I think of 2017, that was a big story that I kept seeing over and over again where robots are coming to take our jobs and AI is here. So I'm really curious to see what the future holds you know, for society in general because of those two things. I mean, one thing I, I it said, it said within five to ten years, um, cross-country trucks can be completely con- – can be driving themselves. You're talking about putting two million truck drivers out of work. Yep, that's a yeah, that's yeah, a lot of work. Yeah, so you know that kind of thing. Wow, um, what we really need to stop doing is having babies. I think that's, that's yeah, about. just less. Everybody just have less kids because yeah. there's just not enough room and resources, and everybody's going to be living on some kind of basic assistance right. in 20 years. Says, like, says, what do you do for a yeah. living? I watch Netflix. Says Thanks. the two people who've already had their kids. That's why we get to say that. Yeah, 
Yeah, you guys stop having kids, all you breeders. You uh, you said you put something in Garage Brand this week that was a great article. You linked to an article uh, about coming trends in marketing for 2018. What yes. the big trends in marketing? It was a great article. But what I really noticed was that it seemed like every other thing in there because it gathered like 12 different people to say what's the big trend this year. Every other thing was video. Yep, that's the big one. Video is, uh, and but hey, I was listening to a podcast this morning about um, automated video editing, like AI learning. So there's even that is isn't going to be, you know, even a lot of that's going to be eliminated. You're going to be able to upload your raw clips to a uh, to an AI online, and it's going to put together somebody's wedding video for you. I mean, it's it's coming. So all of it's coming. I mean, that's the one thing about businesses. You gotta stay ahead of it because before you know it, you're gonna be angry and out of a job unless you stay ahead of it. Photography is very likely to evolve into something else. I mean, that's just what happens with industries when you know the technology gets that good. It it kind of evolves into another thing. But you know, uh, for right now, we're okay. Um, so thanks, Sony, for uh, bringing on the machine revolution. We appreciate you. The robots are taking over. Um, but what are you gonna do? You gotta stay ahead of it. I also saw something happen that's totally unphotography related, but I've never seen this happen uh, before. And it was last week during the week of Christmas that uh, Disney, the Magic Kingdom, shut down at eleven mm-hmm. thirty in the morning and didn't let anybody else in. Yeah, that's was they full. They were full, and so Ooh. by by eleven thirty a.m., you could not get into Disney World. That's crazy. And they didn't open to new guests until five thirty p.m. Huh? Yeah. For six hours, yeah, well, yeah, for six hours, you couldn't get into Disney World. I don't care how much of it. I don't care if you got your ticket. You're not going into. You could go. You could go. You could go in. You could go to the Magic Kingdom. You could go to one of the other parks, but you couldn't. couldn't Their get, parks are very often at capacity these days. They're having to build new stuff like crazy. Universal Studios <laughs> just built four <clears throat> new hotels and a new water park, and they have to because it's full all the time. I remember ten years ago, you could go on an odd day on a weekday. And there would be hardly anybody there. Now you can't you can't get there and have it. There's no such thing as a slow day anymore. They're just always full, always packed. And you know maybe the theme parks are the one thing that you can't automate. You can't <laughs> virtual reality. Never mind. They're gone too. Goodbye Disney. See you later. That's too bad. Something else we Sorry were talking about, about recently, and um, I, I don't know if you mentioned this program at all. We were talking about uh, alternatives to Photoshop, and did we talk about one called Dark Table? Nope, we did not. Well, Darktable is a um, is supposed to be a photo editing program that is open source, and so it is now. Apparently, I think it's been around for a while for maybe some other for like people use it with like Linux and stuff like that. You know, those crazy uh, you know people who refuse to use Windows or or refuse to use Mac, uh, and they use Linux. Well, they're moving. I think it. the word you're looking for is nerds. Yeah, I think super you're nerds. For nerds. And yeah, um, okay. so anyway, there's this new this program called Darktable that they use, and now they're going to be moving it to Windows and Mac as well. And it's open source. And I would be curious to see what this does because do you think it's possible for an open source program like WordPress to come along and knock the big dogs off of their mountain because that's what wordpress did there were there were you know tons of programs for creating your website and then wordpress came along and just because it was free and because it was open source so it was constantly updating and constantly getting better eventually wordpress became the premier platform for building a website and i wonder if a good open source editing program can eventually knock adobe off of its mountain 
Yeah, I hope you know it's it's possible. Any anything's possible. People uh people love free and open source. <laughs> the one thing people love more than paying a good good amount of money and getting a good product is getting a good product for free. I just don't I don't have that. I have no I, I I'm I'm willing to pay for something that's good. You know, I'm, yeah. I if I if I like something, Everybody I want to pay is. for it. I think there's a bunch of people who are working on this, and they've got to make a living, and so I'm happy to pay for it. I don't want to pay a boatload, but I'm happy to pay for something if it's good and it works well for me. You know, the the problem yeah. the problem comes when you want something that's good and you don't need it that much, like when you want a good video editing program, and they all start at eighty dollars, and you're like, but I'm not going to use it that much. What I really need is like a thirty dollar video editing program. That's when you start to run into a problem, or I need a good. A program for editing pictures, and well, it's going to cost you two hundred and forty dollars a year for Lightroom. Yeah, well, you know, we'll see. Anything's possible. I, I'm, I'm for it. You know, is uh, the more competition, the better. That's why I like the what Sony's doing because they have something to prove in the in the professional camera market, and so they're proving it. They're trying harder right now than anybody else is, and they're coming up with better stuff. And all that's going to do is make the other guys either have to come up with even better stuff. Or get out, and so you know, if if Adobe sees somebody coming up alongside them that's giving them the same stuff for free or real near it, they're going to have to up their game, either lower their price or increase their service, and that's that's capitalism, baby. Well, Canon, capitalism. Canon and Nikon just need to get on the ball too. I'm wor- I'm worried about Canon and Nikon when it comes to mirrorless because Sony. I'm not Sony. Is really you think that they're going to? The, you think that this year we will see something from Canon and Nikon that will rival the Sony A9? I think uh, Canon, yes. Nikon, questionable. Nikon's not doing as great, and uh, they're you know they're not as big a company, so they may, I don't know if they have the resources and with the financial losses they've suffered, I'm not really sure. Canon has so its fingers in so many other areas that you know they they could take it they could take it on the chin for a while from Sony and then come back and be fine. You know, <laughs> like if they're not they're not going to go out of business. Well, I wish I they think. would. Because I'm ready to upgrade my my 5D Mark III, and I'm waiting for the big mirrorless full frame sensor camera from Canon to drop. And you can bet I'm going to be asking I, the Canon guys about that at Imaging USA. I'm like, when? I hear, it I hear, I hear there will be an announcement uh, in 2018. That's what I hear. Maybe I can, maybe I can get somebody to s- slip up and tell me a little something on camera at Imaging USA. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Because I want, I want that. I want to see the next big thing from Canon. I, I don't feel like anything big has come along in a while. Any, nothing really since the five D Mark III. There's been small upgrades, but nothing that's been like wow. That's what everybody was saying, and then they came out with the five D two, which revolution a lot, revolution revolutionized, you know, DSLR cinema, and just changed the way that movies and television are made. Right. So you know, we'll see. They don't have to do it every year. You know, that's not what they're about. They're going to do it every once in a while, and they're going to flip the script. I think that it's, it'll be their turn. We'll see. I think they'll come up with something good, but who knows? So, um, what do you have so, planned for uh, London? Is there anything you're going to do photography-wise in London? Are you even going to bother to take your camera? I'm taking my, my Canon M5, and I'm going to um, – actually, Kevin, uh, Kevin Landers, a friend of mine, is a video guy, and he's going to be going with me to London, and we're going to be basically doing video and content the entire time, and I'm going to be really pushing my little M5 to the limit, see what it's capable of, and make some review videos and behind the scenes, so it's going to be a lot of fun, as well as judging and speaking at the convention, so it should be a really good time, that's the Society of Wedding and Portrait Photographers convention, 
in London, and that's going to be next week. So if you happen to be in the area, come on by and say hi. It's swpp.co.uk, I think, is the website. I'm going to be at Imaging USA uh, next week, and I'm going to be doing a lot of live video as well. So if you would like to be on the live feed, come find me. I might be able to get you on the live feed with me or interview. Who knows? Uh, But here's what you need to do that's really important. You need to go to PPA's page on Facebook, and you need to make sure that you are getting notifications when they go live. Because that way, you will get a notification on your phone when I go live. Because I know for a fact that we're going to be doing some giveaways today on the trade show floor. And it's going to be uh, must-be-present to win stuff. So you could be on the trade show walking around. Boop, boop, you get a little thing. You pull up your phone. And it's, oh, Blu-ray's over at the Canon booth about to give away a you know camera. And if you just walk over there, it's 10 steps that way. If you walk over there, you're going to win, you're going to win something. So, but you've got to know I'm live. You've got to be able to see the video. So go to PPA's page and sign up for the notifications on that page to make sure that you uh, know every time we go live. All right, and if there's anything else that you want to know as far as where we're going to be speaking and what we're going to be doing, our full schedule of speaking and events are up on the website, photobombpodcast.com. My wife has moved from pictures to video. That's, that's how important video is becoming as marketing. That my wife's, We need to yes. maybe bring an expert on the show my and wife's, do a yes. whole episode My wife's clothing uh, thing that she does online, she used to, we used to take pictures of all her clothes and post them, and now she just does it live. She does it. She's live video selling on live. Yeah. Yep. And 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 they love their content, so they'll push you for using their products. That's for sure. Yeah. So it's uh, it's uh, video is really the thing to watch, and for terms of, in terms of marketing, I think in the in the next year, don't you? Abs- I'm already doing it, but absolutely yes. All right. Uh, you can find us online at photobombpodcast.com. You can find us on our website. Uh, I mean, on on Instagram, or rather, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com/slash/photobombpodcast. <laughs> Yeah, facebook.com slash podcast, and you can email us uh, at um, questions at photobombpodcast.com. Is there anything you would like to say? Because I can't seem to say anything correctly. Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. And uh, we should see you back here again uh, next week. Well, wait a minute. Will we? You're going to be in London. When are you, when are you going to London? Uh, you never know. It's, it's, it's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> so so shows of the Photobomb Con- podcast around Christmas and New Year's are sketchy at best. We, we, really, we have no yes. idea. It's, if, if there's a show next week, surprise. Good for you, right? That's basically yep. the way Lucky, it is? Yeah, it's, it just consider it bon- a bonus. All right, good. <laughs> we will see you back here soon. We'll just say soon. Uh-oh. Okay, see you later.